Hello, listener. Do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? Well, Jay and Mike like scary movies, too. You should go and subscribe to their podcast. We watched a movie. Because if you don't, I'll gut you like a... Well, I think you get the idea. Enjoy yourselves while you still can. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Here are all the movie reviews for new movies that I did in April compiled into one big fat video and spoiler free. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And if you would take a second to rate the podcast wherever you're listening, because that helps us grow and, you know, makes our makes our wieners look bigger than they actually are. So we really appreciate that and you and uh, have an awesome day. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Today we're reviewing Evil Dead Rise with no spoilers, one of our most anticipated movies of the year. I fucking love the Evil Dead universe. It's a five for five. It's a win. You can just get that out of the way right now. And when I say five for five, I mean this franchise does not miss. Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Evil Dead 2013, Evil Dead Rise, they are all good movies. I'm not ready yet to say where this ranks amongst the other Evil Dead movies, because I will say, if anything, it might be the least original of them. And, and what I mean by that is it takes a little bit out of every movie for the most part, mostly from the 2013 film, as far as like the vibe of the whole movie goes, just everything from the cinematography to the way they use the gore and things like that, the tone, but with a little bit more goofiness to it, I would say it's got a touch of that little evil dead too. If, if you're watching closely enough for it, there's this awesome scene where someone's looking through a peephole and you see a little bit of it in the trailers and stuff like that. But stuff goes kind of wild and crazy kids in this scene. That moment, a little bit cartoony, but also one of the coolest gags they did in the whole movie, too. So I don't mean cartoony in a bad way. I mean, it was really fun. Director Lee Cronin's on this. His first movie, The Hole in the Ground, was a completely different affair. It was really super slow burn, but it's honestly pretty scary. I definitely recommend checking it out if you get the chance. But he nails the Evil Dead vibe. This movie felt like it was directed by Sam Raimi himself. There is one gag in the movie involving an eyeball that was so... Sam, I mean, it literally was out of Sam Raimi's filmography several times. I actually didn't enjoy that scene very much. I didn't think it was put together very well. It's one of the few knocks I had against the movie. But just the overall vibe of the movie, very Sam Raimi-ish. They nailed all that stuff. And it is so loud. I think my favorite part about this movie is how loud it is. If you guys went to see Drag Me to Hell in the theaters when it came out, and I love that movie, but if you went to see that in the theaters, you may have noticed like it is shockingly loud. Every single scene where, where shit pops off is just like just kind of hurts your ears and i love that in a horror movie that's part of the reason this feels like such a sam raimi event because i know that he likes to do that and definitely got lee cronin to do that here the movie's gory but i'll say this it's not on the level of 2013's evil dead as far as the torture that people go through now people go through some wild shit don't get me wrong and i think that this is another situation where it's just man I don't think we realize how hard that trailer actually went. I saw it a thousand times. It was in front of every movie I saw. The movie's been well marketed. But that trailer had a lot in it. It had the scalping in it. It had the wine glass through the neck scene in it. It had the tattoo eye gun in it. It had a lot of the, the movie's... The cheese grater, obviously, was in it. It had a lot of the movie's best gags, at least hinted at within the trailer. So I feel like those who have not seen any trailers for it are just going to go in and they're going to have their mind absolutely butt-fucked by this movie. And I got to a point where I was sitting there thinking, like, this is fun and it's good and it's a ride and it's well-filmed and there's nothing wrong with it. But I was thinking for this to 
to set itself apart or to do something that doesn't just feel like a carbon copy of what's come before, I'm going to need it to do something that the franchise hasn't done before. It's going to have to add at least its own trademark to the franchise. And then in the end, they did. As a horror movie on its own, it is, it is an awesome movie. It's a must-see. It's a, it's a film for horror fans. Like fans of the genre, Evil Dead Rise is made for you. And I think everybody else is going to have a ride with it too. Because it's scary in spots. It's gruesome in spots. And it's just well-made. And it's fun and funny in spots. It's got all the trappings of an Evil Dead movie. There's something about when you watch this horrific shit happen. I don't know why I said it like that. Horror ific sabrina don't just stare at it eat it so when you're watching the 2013 remake for instance and you're watching certain things happen especially the characters who deserve it like if you come upon a book in a room full of skinned cats don't fucking read from it man you deserve what you got but when you're watching stuff happen to adults it's like you can laugh at it and be like oh man this is crazy it's kind of like the dog syndrome whenever you see a dog in a horror movie trailer everybody's like nothing better happen to that fucking dog and you don't care if if the people in it get skinned and cooked like chicken nuggets kids have been in horror movies since the beginning of the time and i'm not knocking the movie for this hear me out kids have been in horror movies since the beginning of the time they've been an integral part of the, some of the best horror movies the exorcist poltergeist but in the evil dead franchise this is the first time we've seen kids go through this so some of the fun of really not giving a shit about a character who probably sort of deserves what they're getting is taken out by it, by these things happening to kids. And I'm not saying who survives or who lives or if anybody lives or if anybody dies. You're like, well, they're fucked up for life. And it's just, I don't know, it's just, it took some of the joy out of it for me. And there was certain stuff that the littlest girl would go through, especially. Maybe it's just because I have a, a seven-year-old. And again, this is not a knock on the movie. I'm just talking about my personal enjoyment. I was like, that's a little that's a little rough for me to watch that. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that the seven-year-old goes through torture, but this whole movie's torturous. Even if nothing happens to you physically, you watching it happens torturous. But it be, them being younger and it being kids did take away from some of that gore glee that you get from watching an Evil Dead movie and the shit happens happening people that sounds just kind of fucked up what i just said i don't know it's somewhere in between like i normally enjoy watching people be filleted and i don't think it made the movie scarier i don't think this is a super tense movie i think there's like two or three spots where you go oh that one that was kind of fucking dark in the nutsack and it gets you a little bit the opening of the movie is so good and i love that it's separate from the rest of the movie and, and you can see that from the settings in the trailer but the opening of the movie goes fucking hard as shit and I loved it. I loved the way that they brought up the title and the music when it hit and just that whole scenery and the way it all looked. Gorgeous, beautifully shot, punk rock as fuck. I just love that. I love how loud the movie is. I love how fast it goes. The The intensity and the pace of this movie is just nonstop. I did love the way they brought the book into this one, the way it was found, the story behind this book. It was a little, it was just different enough. They kept the classic vibe of the reading of the book, but they added a couple new little spins on it that were really good. And the acting's great in the movie from Lily Sutherland to Alyssa Sutherland. Fuck, those are, their names are too close yet so far apart. They're hard to say together, but they were both amazing as sisters in the movie. And I mean, you guys know the plot. I don't have to go into all that, right? They're, they're sisters and the, the, someone finds a book of the dead and the deadites come after them and the, the mom gets possessed and the sisters trying to protect the children from the mom. And it's a fucked up dynamic. It really is to have a mom be trying to just deadite her goddamn children it's a weird thing that it does to your brain when you're watching it in, in right spots there's certain spots where it's like okay this is almost too fucked up for me the fact that this kid is having to watch their mom say this fucked up nasty shit to him and run around the house just you know trying to dismember fucking everybody and the little girl nell fisher she was great 
I think you're going to see her again and stuff. She, man, what a trooper. <laughs> what a trooper. Yeah, so I absolutely loved Evil Dead Rise. I think every horror fan should see it. I think every Evil Dead fan should see it. Is a movie like this missing a character like Ash? Sure, it was. I mean, the remake was missing Ash, and it still ruled Ash. Carry the two. Yeah, that's what I meant to say. But Alyssa Sutherland specifically is really great, and she when she's possessed by the deadite is pretty over the top in moments. And she really gives you that over the top performance. That's pretty fun to see. And I just, I mean, I, I'm enamored with her. Like just the whole look of her being like, she, there's just something different about her as a person. I can't wait to see her in more stuff. Did that sound weird? Did I make it weird? You fucking made it weird. Eat a dick, Greg. And where 2013 went hard into like the torturous, like the self mutilation and stuff like that. This one, those moments are there in the movie. And we saw some of them in the trailer for sure. But I feel like this one goes more into the gross-out gags version of Evil Dead. Like we saw towards the end of the original Evil Dead or an Evil Dead 2. And they go more towards the fun version of fucking with you because it's an Evil Dead movie. And that's fine. But there are little moments where you can see this could be really actually freaky if you kept with that little vibe you had going there for a second. But at the end of the day, that's... That's that's tiny little picks here and there. I absolutely love the end of the movie. I thought that's where they really made their mark. And I totally just, again, everybody's got to go see it. We will have uh, Monday night. There will be a spoiler party. We're going live. We're going deep into all the spoilers for this movie. We'll be able to talk about it all. It's going to be so fun. Kandar. I can't wait to do it. I can't wait to talk to you guys about it. I'm going to give Evil Dead Rise an 8 out of 10. That's where I land on the movie. I thought it was great. I thought it kicked ass. I thought it's a welcome addition into the franchise. And we're lucky as shit that we're getting movies this high quality still at this point in this franchise. It's one of the best fifth movies in a franchise of all time. I know there's not many great ones, but this one's right up there with the top, which to me would be Scream 5 is probably the best fifth movie in a horror franchise of all time. But what is your all's favorite fifth movie horror franchise of all time? And I think Evil Dead Rise is like right there right there neck and neck around it so i'm gonna see it again because there's a lot to unpack and there was a lot of fun to be had so i'm gonna see it again and my my score could very well go up i feel like this is one where my score won't go down it will go up if anywhere because the expectations are just so high going in with this and you hear everybody loves it so i feel like we're all gonna go on with a little bit higher expectations based on all the things we've been hearing so yeah, I think this is a score that definitely goes up from an 8, not down on second viewing. But I'll let you guys know on Monday night. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Thanks for taking a moment of your day to spend it with me today. We are reviewing spoiler-free Renfield, starring Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt. Who, by the way, not many people know this, in an awesome, underrated, weirdo movie, The Weatherman. Nicholas Holt played Nicolas Cage's son in that movie, which is just just blew my mind. I used to watch that all the time. And there's something about when Nick Cage takes off the glove and just smacks that dude in the face. I, I pissed myself laughing. I was going to say cry laughing. Peeing yourself seemed like a better option for some reason. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. What movie is that from? Comment down below. So Rinfield is a movie that there's going to be two camps for this movie. There's going to be, I feel like, people that when they heard about it and they saw that still, that behind the scenes still of Nicolas Cage as Dracula just you know looking like your emo as fuck granddad being forced to to go to walmart on a sunday and was super pumped about this movie and then saw the trailer and then went oh what the fuck is this youth young adult adaptation john wick shit this is not what i had in my head when they said nicholas cage's dracula not to his faults at all and then there's the other group of people who saw that like super add kind of polished young adult novel tone and we're like i am in joe i am in the former 
Joe. I, I'm, I've won that. That's all the trailer and went, oh, darn it. First and foremost, Nick Cage is amazing in this film, and he's amazing as Dracula, and it's everything you hoped it would be. And he actually is in the film a little bit more than I thought he was going to be. When they kept saying, hey, this movie is not about him, and so on and so forth, I thought he was actually going to have a little bit less screen time. But he was in there a decent amount. Would I put him in there 110% more and made the whole thing about him? Bet your tits. And the makeup on him through the various stages of his decomposition and the things that are going on with him is done really well. And the best part about it is we get some crazy cage as Dracula. He's over the top. He's nuts. There's this one little moment where he throws in this little woo when he's talking. He's like, I am the Dark Lord. I'm woo, Dracula. <laughs> like, it's really, that's not exactly what he said, but it is pure, unadulterated, crazy cage. And I'm fucking in love with it. When I go back and watch this movie again, I won't. I will just watch the YouTube clips or whatever of Nick Cage's performance. Because the rest of it, just for me personally, I just uh, there's nothing there for me. And we'll get into why and all that stuff. But I will go back just to see him do this. Because he's worth the price of admission alone, just in my opinion. He's so good as Dracula. I want that fucking movie. But I feel bad for him. This is one of the three roles he's always wanted to do. And he gets to do it, and he's not even the main star of the film Nicholas Holt is. I mean, it literally feels like they plucked him out of a way better movie about an uproarious, coked-out Dracula and put him on the set of some Batman Forever young adult novel, but it's the un unrated DVD cut from 15 years ago where they have cartoon blood and say some F-bombs. The parts I hated the worst in the trailer ended up being the parts I hated the worst in the movie. This this weird, these weird over-the-top superhero landing-ish action scenes where Nicholas Holtz looks like he's doing a dance number from The Descendants or something. And I only know that because I have a seven-year-old. Though he's ripping people apart, knocking off heads, and squishing people's insides to death, it all feels so Disney-fied somehow. The blood is not even CGI blood. You don't even get that. It's cartoon blood. I mean, it looks like this. Just mounds of it splattering out of everybody, but yet gets on no one somehow because it's just so fake it just kind of feels like marvel made a vampire movie for kids who are allowed to say fuck every once in a while and see some gore and everything i just said negatively about it it's gonna be some people's shit there's gonna be people in the comments below that just adore this kind of thing and they're gonna shit all over me and i totally understand that it's just not for me the substance of the whole movie, other than just to have a good fucking time, which, hey, I respect that. There's nothing in the world wrong with that. But the kind of the, the, the loose substance they put in the movie is the whole narcissistic and codependent thing. And they really drill that point home. The same idea that was in the trailer, just copy and repeat over and over again throughout the movie, pretty much. Nicholas Holt goes to a couple classes. Then he gets a place on his own. He starts coding the apartment like self-help posters. Like, you know, the kitty cat that's like hanging in there or the, the your principal when you're sitting there getting your Saturday schools and you're looking at the wall and it's like determination. Like he cakes his house and all this. It all feels very surface level. It just feels like it's trying so hard to be all whimsical and like dashing it's it's you know what it's it's nicholas holt it's just it's like nicholas holt is like your thing that whole like british charming non-threatening romantic boyish thing is 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 your thing then 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 you'll absolutely love it maybe i'm just, and I, nothing against nicholas holt at all i hope he does great but maybe i'm just too old and jaded to find all this cute you know oh and there's this whole other subplot too with aquafina's character who's a cop on the mean streets of batman forever's gotham city whose dad was killed by a mafia syndicate that runs the city and she's the only non-crooked cop on a police force that is so half put together it kind of just feels like somewhere between the cop story and zootopia and the cops from last action hero 
back to the cartoon and loosey goosey cutesy feeling of it all. They spend so much time on this sub subplot. And honestly, I think it's going to come up as a who gives a fucker for even the biggest lovers of this movie. I feel like people who love the vibe of this whole movie, unlike me, are, are even going to be annoyed by that, by how much time they spend on it. They do this. It feels kind of like the Punisher storyline, like the John Travolta one. You've got this Sally Fields, if she smoked a lot of cigarettes as a youth mom who's leading the whole thing with her pantsuits and her son, who's basically Joel Madden from good Charlotte if he was on meth and they just do such weird childish shit with certain moments like like the little spiders he ate, eats it, they're these bright yellow super CGI like things and the eyes turn yellow and again that the superhero landings and all this stuff it just god it just all felt so cheesy and corny when Nick Cage wasn't on screen all that being said it actually was still somewhat entertaining and I could sit through it easily and I don't have any hate in my heart for it it's it just not my cup of tea which is really weird when you consider we're talking about a an ultra gory Dracula movie starring Nick fucking cage. I just, that seems so much up my alley. I can't believe this wasn't for me. I'm going to give Renfield a six out of 10 because of its brisk pace. Thank Christ. And, uh, ultimately awesome fucking performance from Nicolas Cage. It's literally the only thing about the movie I wouldn't change at all. I mean, you gave me the keys to this movie. I would have walked in there like fucking Frank from Father of the Bride. I'm like, this has to go. This has to go. I do this for a loving. Trust me. <laughs> and I would have just wrecked the entire thing and changed everything except for Nick Cage. Such a great job by him. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it so much more than I did. There will be people who did who just, this is right up their alley and I'm happy for you. I'm not trying to poo-poo you. I'm just trying to give you how I feel about it. But thank you guys so much for watching hey guys welcome back to we watch movie i am mike and today we're reviewing sisu i think i'm saying that right i don't know shit they don't ever say it in the movie do they this will be a spoiler free review in the beginning of it then at the end i have a couple spoilers i want to talk about but i'll give you plenty of warning if you haven't seen it yet this movie is the latest in the line of john wick like movies where dude who is either retired or or old, or just doesn't look like he could absolutely ruin your entire life with a pencil, a fucking pencil. Fucking but can it's about a man who's living in the bumfuck middle of nowhere in Finland, trying to avoid the war in 1944, and he strikes gold. So he packs up his horse and he takes his dog with him and they're going to trade in this gold at a GameStop or a, or a pawn shop or, or, or a bank or what have you. And he runs into this group of really shitty Nazis. I don't know a kind of Nazi that's not shitty. You get the idea. Extra shitty Nazis. Nazis with flair. So yeah, the rest of the movie is just them trying to kill him and then him in turn killing the shit out of them. It also has a touch of like Old Man Logan to it or just that show with Jeff Bridges, The Old Man. It's the exact same idea. It's like that guy doesn't look like anything. He looks like he's here for some some Pepperidge Farm. Movie's directed by Jalmari Helander, whose name I'm probably butchering to shit. He's the director of Rare Exports, and it stars Jorma Tomia, whose name I'm totally butchering to shit, and I'm sorry. So they kind of have like a Finnish Rob Zombie sort of thing going on there as far as working together on their projects. The movie overall is just a total mixed bag. It just really is. And I don't give a fuck what genre you say this is. Yeah, sure, it's an action movie. It's war, but it's more war horror than anything, though. I mean, if you slap a Michael Myers mask on this dude, it's it's a slasher movie. Just point blank. Only he's the good guy. 
the kills and the gore of this movie are really insane. I mean, they really do some cool stuff with the kills, and the movie is gnarly as hell. I mean, knives going through temples. You've got landmines doing some really, really gnarly shit to people. One particular scene involving a very large animal that just the special effects department grossed me out you guys did an amazing job with this film and it's new stuff stuff you haven't seen before pretty cool ideas that they've gotten this the action scenes are also well done minus one particular scene which i'll get to when we talk about the spoilers that happens later in the movie but there's no like john wick crazy technical stuff going on here it has its little moments of some pretty cool stuff but it's nothing on that level as far as the choreography and all that stuff goes but still nicely made action sequences there's some genuinely fucking rad moments that feature a tank in the most realistic way i've maybe ever seen it it was really cool and it actually scared me a little bit and caught me caught me off guard and the movie's absolutely beautiful the cinematography is gorgeous and and how they shot, you know, the gorgeous country of Finland, but mixed it in with like the dark disgustingness vibe that's going on with the war and everything. It just, it provides a really cool look. It honestly looks kind of like a grimy version of a Christopher Nolan movie. It's that impressive. The movie really does work well as just kind of a mindless, entertaining, gore-filled explosion movie. It works well in that regard, but still it feels like there's just something missing and I can't put my finger in exactly what it is. Yes, I said put my finger in exactly what it is. But I think that there's no emotional connection. Mainly because the the main guy, the guy that you're following, doesn't actually speak. He doesn't talk in the movie, and there's no preamble. Like, when you have a movie like John Wick, yeah, he barely ever speaks, but... You're naturally already connected to it because it's 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 Keanu fucking Reeves, you know what I mean? And you also got to see this this touching story of what happens to him. We hear about where this guy came from and we hear about it, but they don't show it to us. So when you're watching it, you just you almost feel disconnected from the action and stuff that's happening on screen. Whereas with other movies like this, sometimes it takes them a step beyond when you actually really get into and care about what's happening to your hero. There's some super fun set pieces here, and the way it's all laid out, it kind of also feels sort of Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez-ish, and they do chapters on the screen where it's like, chapter one's this, and chapter four's like the minefield. Watch this guy get through each of these sections of insane moments where nobody could actually get through it. And where sometimes the movie works when he pulls it off believably by having to do some MacGyver shit or just some crazy action Jackson shit, or he has to do the horror version of another way. It's a horror and like a survival film, like, like a movie like ready or not, where she goes through absolute hell to get out of there and where she's climbing with the nail and things like that. Uh, it's horrific in that way, too, because sometimes he has to do gnarly things to himself or Saul to get out of the situation he's in. It works when it's believable. One of the main problems the movie's going to have, though, is that some of the stuff's just not believable. When you're like, I know the human body cannot do that. You know what I mean? Like, you see something, it's like either I was, you got so lucky or I just know the human body can't do that and there's no way you just, you would have survived that. And as the movie goes on and on, it gets a little less believable as we move. I mean, people thought that Scream 6 was unbelievable with the things people were able to survive. This movie will blow your fucking mind. You ain't seen nothing yet. Bum, bum. And I know it's supposed to be over the top, outlandish, and fun, and I'm good with all those moments, but there's I can only suspend my belief so far. And it doesn't go too bad. It's not like re deep Resident Evil sequel. He's not doing triple double backflips and and crazy shit like that. It just it just it would have been easier to scale it back, I feel like. And I feel like watching a movie where a guy of his age is actually struggling to 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 do the things he used to be able to do would have been far more believable than this dude just being like all right 
<laughs> I stretched. I'm just as good as I was when I was young. I'm not as good as I once was, but I was good once. As I ever was. The main bad guy, Bruno, is really good. He, you know, they're obviously hateable because they're Nazis, so you're going to hate them no matter what. But they do a good job of actually not going too deep into that. Like, he'll roll up on a town that has already had everybody murdered in it. And you'll hear them talking about it. And there's this subplot with these girls that the Nazis have kidnapped that they're just making travel along with them. And you can kind of imagine what's going on there, but they don't actually take you to Rob Zombie Town and show it to you. You get the idea. And I feel like they did a good job of keeping the movie entertaining, but not going too deep into that stuff. When we see people hurt, it's either him who you know is going to survive it and has killed 17,000 people. Or it's the actual bad guys that we're seeing suffer. But the main bad guy, Bruno, is really good. He's got total Mads Mikkelsen, like Bond villain vibes to him. He was really good. Overall, I think Sisu does its job as promised. And it delivers some Rambo 4 size gore and some awesome small-scale warfare moments. And turns them into Jean-Claude Van Damme, hard target type of action set pieces. But I just wish we had a character that had the charisma of a character like Jean-Claude Van Damme had in that movie. And again, that's no knock to the actor. It's an actor... It's hard to ask someone to have charisma if they don't speak. And honestly, I think Jim Carrey said it best in Dumb and Dumber when he said, Hey, I guess they're right. Senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. Don't you go dying on me! So I'm going to give this movie overall, at the end of the day, a 7 out of 10. It stretched believability. It had amazing action sequences, though. Some awesome gore. Horror fans will love it. And it's got some good old school, like, Robert Rodriguez vibes with some Christopher Nolan-esque cinematography. It's a strange movie that touches in a lot of places, but doesn't touch in other places. I don't know what that means, but it sounds sexual, doesn't it? And I definitely recommend it for at least a one-time watch for hardcore action fans or fans of movies with brutal violence or even horror fans. So just a couple spoilers I wanted to talk about in this. First off, the minefield scene was badass, wasn't it? How good was that scene? When that horse exploded and he went flying in the air, it scared the shit out of me. I mean, I yipped. And then when he woke up in the way that they had the ribs sticking out and like the, the horse was just blown to smithereens, that was brutal and it was beautiful in its own fucked up way also the scenes where he's like stitching himself up there and like doing the rambo thing and lighting himself on fire gross but one of my biggest problems with the movie uh was the hanging scene makes no sense i mean he hung there for how long just straight up hanging there and didn't die i mean i guess we've seen it happen in movies like strangeland before when d snyder came back to life but it just felt too far to me for sure and like had he hung himself caught himself on that nail that he was using to stay up for a while before I'd have been more believable, but he just got hung and like literally died there in front of us. So that was too much for me. Also, there's certain scenes like I love the scene with the minefields and stuff like that. And the way he had the shield and did like the wonder woman thing. I feel like he would have gotten a couple more bullets from that for sure. But man, how funny was it when that leg flew and the leg actually hit the mine? That was just an amazing scene. Another scene I didn't like, though. Well, I'm not going to say I didn't like this scene, but the pond scene where he goes underwater and he's just like, fuck, just sitting there like, okay. And he pops up real quick and goes back under. When those guys come out there, can you even do that? Like, this is how he stayed uh, alive under the water. When they would send a dude after him, he would slit his throat and, like, break open his neck and, like, breathe from that dude's body. 
and like take his breath from him. But wouldn't just a bunch of blood and also the water filling that up instantly stop you from being able to do that? Or is that a possible thing? I don't even know. I do know that the plane sequence was just over the rails, jump the shark for me. The plane's coming towards him and he takes his pickaxe or whatever and sticks it in a flying plane. Flies up into the air. Now, I know we saw Tom Cruise do this, but it was a totally different situation. Pickaxes his way into the goddamn plane. And I love the idea that, like, his willpower is so strong he can't be stopped or killed. It's a beautiful idea. I really dig that whole thing. This was just too damn much. And then after that fight, which was a good fight scene, you've got it's nowhere near Christian Slater and John Travolta fighting in Broken Arrow. Just saying, what is, though? But when the plane crashes and he just like 23 skidoos his like quick little belt tie there and the plane doesn't just sort of semi crash it doesn't land in water it fucking goes straight down on its face from the sky to the ground and under the ground it there's no fucking way he would have survived that i just that was just too much for me like i thought i was like you guys you yeah, had it it's an old dude fighting like 20 people it's already cool enough. Like, I don't think you needed to do that. And I felt like it looked a little fake and it took the, uh, I know you got the CGI of the plane. It didn't look horrible, but it just took away from the whole thing for me. So those are the moments I'm talking about that I really did not enjoy or was just a little bit confused about. Let me know how you guys feel about it. Comment down below. Hey guys, welcome back to We Watch Movie. I am Mike. Thanks for taking a moment of your day to spend it with me. This is a spoiler-free review of The Pope's Exorcist, though. The Pope's Exorcist, and starring Russell Crowe. I love it when a huge, old-school, just movie star shows up and takes part in just like a run-of-the-mill random-ass horror movie. I just love it. It gets me going. Brad Pitt, World War Z, things like that. It's just, it's very strange. It feels weird in and around the hole, and I'm here for it. But Russell Crowe didn't just show up. No says I. Russell Crowe said, I'm going to come in there. I'm going to kick down the door of this conjuring, spinoff-esque, normal fly-by-night Friday night horror flick, and I'm going to earn a fucking Oscar, because I'm Russell Goddamn beautiful mind, Cinderella man, Gladiator Crow. Are you not entertained? Dracula. <laughs> I've got to tell you guys, I'm serious. It could be the best performance of the year. I'm not even lying. So anyways, let me take a step back. Let me take a pause. First off, if you like movie reviews and horror movies and all that stuff, please click subscribe and the bell. The Pope's Exorcist is the latest in a weird string of movies that for the most part, are just the same. The exorcism movies have become the zombie movies of old, whereas, like, we have a zombie movie, but wait, they run. We have a zombie movie, but wait, they're in love. Like, they're just, it's the same thing, but it's repackaged in a different way, or it has a new spin on it. In this case, The Pope's Exorcist is based on the alleged true story of an alleged priest who allegedly actually did all this stuff you know we're not going to get into that stuff we're not going to go into it. it's one of those based on a true stories thing this guy actually did write books he performed like some like 40,000 or 60,000 exorcisms or something like that and said that only a hundred of them were real because he would do exorcisms to help people he's like there's no you know i think he says in the movie maybe he's like there's nothing that says that an exorcism performed unnecessarily will hurt anyone i don't know what my accent is but if it makes him feel better i'll fucking do an exorcism who gives a shit and that's kind of 
the take I get from it. I haven't looked into this, see how legit this person was, but it's kind of like the conjuring with the Warrens who allegedly are actually like super just absolute con artists and not great people. If you look into certain things, allegedly, but who knows, you know, I just look at it as that way. It's a movie and it's Russell Crowe playing this guy who's literally the Pope's exorcist. And, and, you know, same old, same old. There's this family that moves into this, this holy place that their, their dad who died left them. And they move in to get it set up to sell it so they can have some money to take care of themselves. And it just happens to be, of course, fucking haunted by this crazy ass story that I won't say because it's spoilers, but it involves the entire history of the church. And it's actually a pretty cool idea. It's kind of cool to think about, but I'll let the movie explain that to you. But yeah, the little boy comes possessed. He starts demanding the priest, not the guy that just comes over. He's like, wrong fucking priest, Jack. Yakety yak, don't talk back, as Arnold Schwarzenegger would say in Twins, but... Bring me the priest. I'm here to help, Julia. Wrong priest! Don't waste my motherfucking time! The, the demon's Al Pacino, spoiler alert. But he starts demanding this specific priest, and you got Russell Crowe on a Vespa... Just big-ass Russell Crowe just riding down the street in a priest outfit on a Vespa. It's the silliest, coolest-looking thing ever I've ever seen. And the movie starts out with an opening scene that shows you him just who this guy is and what he's doing. And he goes in, and you get to watch him perform an exorcism. And the first thing you notice is that accent on Russell Crowe. I've, I've seen people say it's silly. I've heard people say it's an Olive Garden Italian accent, which just makes me laugh and hungry at the same time. The Vatican covered it up. We need to find out why. I absolutely adored his accent. It felt, he felt more charming with his accent than Russell Crowe does on his own. And I'm a huge Russell Crowe guy. You guys should watch Virtuosity, by the way. But he goes in there and it's just, I don't know. He just seems like your uncle who shows up to a barbecue and makes the best ribs. He just has this coolness about him. The character, the way Russell Crowe portrays him. And it's acting, man. It's just not, it's not just Russell Crowe's charisma. This guy he's playing, he made so damn likable. And like... The, a clock will be going off and these girls will be walking by and like the church and he'll go cuckoo, <laughs> just like weird shit like that. And they'll laugh and scurry off. At one point, the guy's yelling at me, he's like, you get back here. And he does like a Rocky Balboa speech about how you're not my boss. You're not my fucking boss. You got a problem with me? Talk to my fucking boss. He doesn't say fucking because he's, you know, whatever. But he's like, you talk to my boss. He's, he's taking shots of whiskey in the back. He's just a cool dude. And even though it's a little bit silly, I just, I man, I loved it. It was old school, like... I don't know, the kind of live, a live character that could have been in like Dust Till Dawn or something, and it would have made sense. Like, just they don't make him like this anymore as far as th his performance and him doing it goes. I loved it. I love the shit out of it. Between that and Nicolas Cage's performance in Renfield this weekend, I mean, holy shit. It's a great weekend for the old dudes, and I'm not talking about them, I'm talking about us. He goes in and performs his opening exorcism, and immediately, the way he does it, he starts, like, bantering with the demon. The, de the demon's all like, I'm the devil! I'm the foul-mouthed behemoth! That's not... He didn't sound like that at all. He just did the generic, you know, screaming, like, yeah, I'm a leprechaun! <laughs> that whole thing. And Russell Crowe's, like, <laughs> with his accent, he's like, uh, he's like, I don't believe you're the devil. He's like, you see this pig over here? Why don't you possess the pig? If you're the devil, possess the pig! <laughs> 
dying. I'm not actually laughing because it's a super intense moment, but damn, he just he's so charismatic and it's just such a weird but funny but awesome scene. He's like, come on, possess the fucking pig. You're gonna possess the pig, possess the pig. The problem, the biggest problem with the movie, other than it just having so many generic parallels to every exorcism movie you've ever seen, as far as some parts of the story, as far as the special effects, people rock you know dropping down and crawling up walls some really corny overly used just way too tired exorcism movie tropes are used here as well the same shit you've seen a thousand times in every other exorcism movie you just saw it and pray for the devil a couple months ago those are here for sure and when the film kind of tries to scare you it's not scary at all because it's just shit like that it's kind of weird the cinematography is beautiful a lot of the settings just look exactly like what you saw in like the nun and shit like that that you've seen in the conjuring spinoffs before and again, the stakes aren't there. Like the story gives you the stakes, but there's no real stakes that you believe could actually happen in the movie. So you're not scared, not even really suspenseful, but I will call it entertaining because Russell Crowe's a joy to watch on screen. But they go to this kid and the main problem I have with it is the kid, not himself. He did a great job acting. That little kid acted the shit out of this movie. Okay. Zero qualms with him and his performance, but it's just the way that they made him look. They kept making him do like Macho Man Randy Savage, like Ultimate Warrior face. Like he would have some cool lines. They did have a couple lines in this movie that threw it back to like The Exorcist or like some things they'll say in like Evil Dead movies that is like, oh, that was actually kind of fucking dark, bro. Damn. It's like, are you sure you're not the killer? Because that cut deep. This gross scene involving him and his mom that I won't even talk to. He calls her a fat cow, which is pretty fucked up. But. He kept making like faces and like doing the overly scary thing and just doing what he's told to. But the way they had his makeup look, the makeup sometimes looked really CGI and super fake and it just didn't match with his face. And he just looked off to me the entire time, completely unscary. And he, they would just have him be like, yeah, I'm going to kill you. Ooh. <laughs> He'd be like, yeah, you're like the old ex is like your mother sucks cocks in hell. It's like if, they, if the camera turned back around to Linda Blair and she was going <laughs> like, you'd be like, come on, man, stop it. You're making me laugh. So that just took me out for sure. And then the last set piece, like. For a second there, I got kind of bored with the old exorcism tropes when they try to scare you and the lights go out and all this stuff and, and the same things. I got a little bit bored, but then it picked way back up when this this divot happened in the story and uh, it ties back into the history of the church. And I'm like, okay, this is actually kind of a neat idea. Like, this is pretty fucking cool that they went here with this, despite how much it makes sense or whatever. It's still a pretty cool idea. But then you go to the last set piece and they go, okay, we've got the information we need. Let's go do the big exorcism. And they go do the big exorcism and it goes on way too long and it becomes superhero y almost. And it's not scary whatsoever. And it's just way, 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 way too much. You got Doctor Strangey in that bitch. But Russell Crowe is a 10 out of 10 in it. The movie ultimately lands at a 6.5-er for me. It's one of those movies you're going to watch and you know it's not great and you just get a kick out of it anyway. It felt sort of like a, like a, like a late 90s movie. In a way that, like, it wasn't great, but it still took itself serious enough to try to be great, and I can appreciate that. It didn't just, like, fall into, like, the textbook writing shit. Like, it surprised you a couple times with either some jokes, some lines, a random pair of boobs, like, stuff like that. There's some prizes in it. It's not like a run-of-the-mill checkpoint here, checkpoint here, checkpoint here movie, even if it does have all the old school exorcism tropes. So I did enjoy that about it. But hey, comment down below. What do you guys think about this movie? What's your favorite exorcist movie? Not name the exorcist. What are you wearing tonight? Comment down below. Why did I say it like that? Comment down below. Comment. Bop it. Sock it. Rock it.
Halloween never ends. Suck my fucking dick, and I don't really care what Blumhouse fucking says. Put him in a box, but suck a fucking cock. You can say he's dead, but we all know he's not. Yeah. So let's go trick or treating. Let's go fucking drinking. Let's all go in pumpkin head on VHS. Cause Halloween never ends. Halloween never ends. Halloween never ends. Yeah.